Hi. Hey, Merit. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. How are you, Patricia? Uh, I'm somehow alive after E3, the <sighs> big gaming convention. Yep. Yep. Electronic entertainment, <laughs> education, uh, <laughs> electric playgrounds uh, that we call E3. Three game. Uh, this is games, games, games times There's three. There's three games that they show off every year. Today, this year, it was, um, it was uh, Fortnite. I don't Fortnite. know Fortnite. It was and Kojima's uh, new baby. Is Kojima Hideo Kojima's new game about Emprag, and it was uh, Words with Friends. <laughs> Those were the three games. Um, Isn't there Words with Friends too now? How do you make a? S- who knows? I don't know. There's uh, a chess too now. There is chess also. too. Was that Bennett Foddy? It might, no, he did speed chess. He did speed chess. Um, but I don't. It seems like something he would do. But I think it was someone else. Yeah, E3. You know, this episode will E3 will be a distant memory by the time this episode comes out because it's going to come out a whole week after E3. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And no years one, in internet time, it'll be lost like tears and rain. But um. <laughs> God, my roommate, Jenna Stober, was um, not there, but was working through E3, mm-hmm. um, making video content and was just working like, you know, like 10, 12 hours a day. Um, it's Oh, yeah, I can imagine. House. And for me, the wild thing is that that show started off for people who don't know, E3 started off as um, like it was the video game industry basically showing retailers what were going to be like the new things, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And then it evolved into like, like as of a couple of years ago, like fans can go, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess it's, that's not surprising to me though, because I feel like, you know, the, the link between consumerism and video games is so strong that of course people, because like, I wouldn't be surprised if fans listen into like the shareholders meetings that sometimes (laughs) uh, video games company, because like, and they'll it'll be the excuse of like oh there well there's news there right um, mm-hmm. but yeah I, that doesn't surprise me at all. I also just don't know like maybe this is me uh, being jaded because it's like not new to me. I don't know why you would want to go to E3. <laughs> it's just like a it lot of so stressful. Yeah, it's stressful, and also you like for, for all the stuff that's worth playing, you're probably gonna have to wait like a long time in line just to. I don't know, like why. On the other hand, though, uh, some cool stuff has come out of the fact that fans can go. Uh, I wrote a story like a couple of years ago about this uh, group of hackers who went to the Nintendo booth and they tried to figure out how to steal Zelda before it came out. And that was really cool. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and and I guess now that there's also like competitive tournaments or whatever like smash bros has that but Mm -hmm. overall i'm just i'm just averse to uh stuff like that like pax and and uh other such gaming events they're just very stressful to many people uh yeah (laughs) yeah i think i went to pax um three times and by the third time i was like like by the third time they were doing um because when i was going it wasn't as huge as it became like they weren't selling out in a second there was no lottery um Mm -hmm. it was like you could buy a ticket and by the third time it was like they sold out within the hour and i was like okay i'm not like stressing to try and go to this thing which like i mostly like i didn't like lining up for things and like 
So I would just like wander around and like just observe everything and maybe play some board mm-hmm. games and some Pokemon with people. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was just like too much. I'm like, I'll just read things if I'm really that interested. Yeah, I mean, I'll go and it's mostly just to see people. My favorite thing is to like go to a thing in which something is happening, but not actually go to the event. I'm just kind of like waiting for people to be done with the event so I can go <laughs> drinking with them or whatever or go have lunch with them. Um, and that's especially fun, like in San Francisco and stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was also working very long. It's It's been weird because uh, I just got a new job at, the verge uh from kotaku and kotaku for those of you guys that don't visit it's like a hardcore gaming website and they cover very like hyper specific gaming stuff and the verge is more like a general tech website so Mm -hmm. they might not necessarily cover oh my god the most powerful gun in destiny has been nerfed by like five points or whatever Uh, so that's uh but i we still covered it so the first Two days were very, very long days. And then uh, as the week went on, it was a little bit more uh, manageable. But yeah, it's been a it's been kind of a shock to see. Uh, well, not a shock. I like I, I feel like the way that I covered games, I could talk was always with an eye towards how normal people care about games. But also uh-huh. like what that means is now is now different. Right. Because like I said, we're not covering the, the nitty gritty. And I almost feel like, oh, my God, all this space that I was dedicating in my head for all these games that I don't care about and hyper specific things that were happening in this, in these games that I don't care about. I don't have to care about them anymore. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That seems like a really good thing. (laughs) It's just, I've been on this, like, uh, I don't know the last, since like last October, I've been on this, like trying to get healthier kick and like, especially like mental health stuff and i don't know man i think there's something about some parts of the online gaming community and especially if you're like a woman writing about games that is just so highly toxic that i that i was uh just kind of looking for an opportunity to not have to be mired in that constantly right but Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily i recognize also that any uh Female journalist has probably this problem if they write about anything vaguely like progressive online, but I think it's doubly more intense if you're like writing for like, I don't know, like Reddit or whoever would read a recent era. If I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, like the, I don't know, super hardcore gaming. And I know I, like, I almost feel bad saying that because like, I feel like a lot of the backlash that's been happening in the last few years has been all these uh, like all this vocal minority kind of crying kind of being like well how dare you paint us in that light and we're not all like that and then Mm -hmm. it's kind of like well okay you're not all like that but the ones who are like fucking awful and you know they end up defining the rest the entire rest of the discussion uh there's a reason why gaming websites have gamers are angry articles like every single day almost and it's always over like inconsequential shit frankly but you know that's the space that's the power to the players i guess now i sound really better (laughs) no i mean i i don't think i don't know i don't think you sound better i think it's just you sound (laughs) like you have an honest assessment of what that's like um 
I think there's something about playing a lot of video games that makes people angry too. Like, I think obviously the whole like cultural stuff has been like explored a lot of like, this is a space that like mostly men are in. It's like a, a power fantasy thing. But like, I think physiologically, there's something about playing a lot of games, at least mm-hmm. the kinds of games that get really popular that is not great for you that like we don't like to talk about that much because it like that was sort of the stigma in the 90s but like i actually like a friend of mine yesterday told me about there is a reddit uh thread about this guy who was playing overwatch and getting so mad and his girlfriend was like okay i'm giving you these like cbt worksheets and you need to do them (laughs) because it's like you're getting too angry and he was like guys, I did them and they were really helpful. Like here, you should all do them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Playing competitive games. is like, like if you just even think about like the release of like stress chemicals and stuff in your body, like I, I've noticed in myself that like when I used to play those games, I would get so upset and it's like, doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. It should just mm-hmm. be like the whole, isn't the whole point just to have like, like a relaxing or like introspective or like, even just like adrenaline kind of like experience, but not one that's like leaving you more angry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of like what the biggest games end up being. Cause like you look at the game that's exploding the most right now and it's Fortnite and that's hyper competitive. Uh, I think about a lot of the other big popular games like Overwatch. I feel like when I talk to people who are super into Overwatch, they're always playing the uh, the ranked mode and they're always angry because people aren't doing <laughs> what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I ask them, like, well, why do you keep playing? And they're like, well, when it works, it's like beautiful. And it's like chasing this like high of, or, or you know, like uh, League of Legends, obviously very uh-huh. infamous for being toxic. Dota, I feel like no one who plays Dota talks about it in a light that makes it seem flattering. Like it's almost like... <laughs> specifically a game for messages uh like for real like i i never see someone online being like i just had a wonderful game of dota it's always like something like really like ironically like bitter or whatever but mm-hmm. on the other hand uh i i acknowledge also that fortnite has built in a lot of like smaller like points of joy that aren't necessary because like you know, most people are going to lose, uh, but people really love that game because of all the ridiculous shit that you can do in it, even though you lose. But it's mm-hmm. still it's still, you know, one per- only one person wins. So, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if it's like game specific. I think it's maybe like just even being online specific or at least as a part of my uh, trying to be healthier thing, I've been unplugging a whole lot more and it's kind of amazing how how much that helps of just like i don't know i've been doing more like sportsy stuff in general uh like i've been playing soccer i've been trying to learn how to dance but i've been doing it for like six months i don't know that i've made that much progress but whatever i'm still doing it uh i've started to do dodgeball uh and i think i might be picking something else up soon and it's just so interesting to me how like i end up basically doing the same thing in terms of like letting loose steam but it feels more effective in a way like when you're in the middle of a soccer game or whatever and you're like really trying to get the ball you probably can't have your mind occupied about like that shit that subtweet someone made online like you kind of have to be like present Right. Whereas like I I feel like a lot of the time that I spend on Twitter is just like 
always just uh, it's so hard to describe like just uh, it's just like wallowing in garbage i don't think anyone almost wants to be on twitter but we're all on there anyway <laughs> um but yeah it's just uh, i think the best way to be online is to be less online so then when you go there you kind of like realize like oh this doesn't matter or you get a better sense of like it's just also good to get a sense like uh you know when when something's like blowing up online and it seems like the entire world and then you go out into the world and no one knows what the fuck you're talking about like that's always like a good a good check i think yeah yeah (laughs) like I think nothing helps you get perspective better than like trying to explain some online thing to someone who isn't online mm-hmm. and not that online isn't real because it is oh, it's totally real. real. Um, and like people forge real relationships and I have and like all this stuff, but like trying to like explain, like I've tried to explain to my therapist, like, okay, I need to give you all this context. And now I need to like try and explain what this thing is. And it's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, right. This is kind of bullshit. <laughs> like I could step away from this whenever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it's also just, it's so much easier to be awful when you don't have the context clues of like seeing someone else or like even just thinking about someone else mm-hmm. as a person. Like, I guess it's not even that we're different online. Like cause there's so many things that we think and we don't say them, but it maybe it's okay if we don't say them in person like just for the good of everyone else you know but yeah Yeah. that's (laughs) that's been uh really interesting for me i've just i feel like i've um, i'm like rediscovering what it means to be a person because i spent years like literally just like hyper focused on my job just kind of thinking like hey one day I'm going to go do this one day, like all all these things that I'm going to go do. And then I ended up just like devoting all this time to games too, like, especially around review season, you know, you have all these like 120 hour games because that's what the internet says they want. These like extremely long games. Then we can't write a review unless we beat the game and we have to beat the game, even though we think it's absolute garbage midway through. And even though it's like, you know, no one would go through, no one would most people don't even get to the ending in most games, but we, but we have to do it because we are expected to. And what if we talk out of our ass if we don't do it? Um, so then it would be like, Oh no, uh, this entire month in which I said I was going to do X actually just went towards game time. So I could write about a game that I actually hate for people <laughs> who are probably not even going to buy the game or like don't even really read reviews and are just like, where's the score or whatever. I I don't know. I just, I looked up and I was like, I wonder what would happen if I like added up all the time that I've spent with like AAA games doing, doing that. And I feel like that was a, a big motivator in like my Mm. not wanting to do it anymore. Uh, cause just why, why I, I recognize, you know, dream job, dream job and all that. Some people want this, but also after like five years of doing it, I'm just, I'm a little, over it i i feel like there's so much else out in the world than uh is the 100 the 200 hour game good you know yeah yeah and i think that's true of like anything right you get into something deep for a long time and then you start to feel like maybe there's other things out there that i could be exploring 
Yeah, I was talking to someone who was like a journalist in, the, in a different niche thing. And they're like, I can't like, you know, I used to love this thing. And now I can't like I don't engage in it. I don't like I almost never do it anymore. It's just I'm done. And I was like, oh, OK, so it's not just this. And we we're talking a lot about games because I work in games. But it, yeah, I think it's it's prone to happen no matter what like weird niche you're in if you spend a uh, long enough time in it. Mm-hmm. What kind of dancing are you trying to learn? Uh, hip hop, uh, mostly because I feel like a lot of the times when I'm like at a club or something, that's usually what they're playing. Although the, the funny thing is that like, because I'm taking like absolute beginner classes, what I, on if, if I end up learning the entire thing that is taught during that class, it's really just like a 20 second snippet. So it's like, <laughs> oh my God, my song came on. I can, I can dance to this, but I can only dance to this one specific part of it. Cause it's like, not even, it's not even like, oh, you're dancing to the start of the song. You're dancing to the end of this. It's like a very specific portion within it, like choreography to go along with the, uh, the words and whatever. But you know what? And I, I like, and the, the other funny thing too, is that like, I've not gotten to the level where like, I feel like I can take what I've learned and like decontextualize it and say, for example, like, Oh, this one specific move within this dance, I can just keep repeating that in a different song. That's that doesn't sound like this because it looks good. I I feel like that's probably what you should be able to do at some point, but I'm, I'm definitely not there yet, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's been, tough because you kind of have to really go out of your comfort zone i feel like dancing is one of the most vulnerable things you can do i i think anyway at least for me Mm, um and there's this room full of people that all do not know how to dance and (laughs) it's just like i feel like it's primed to be like a like a terrifying experience to just kind of like be bad in front of all these because like you're dancing in front of a huge mirror right uh so like everyone can not that everyone everyone's you think to yourself everyone can see me myself messing up but i'm sure everyone's only focusing on on themselves but like still that like pressure of like knowing that that could happen and but like the nice thing is that uh my uh dancing instructors like by far the most charming person that I've ever met. She's just like, when we get in there, I feel like the mood in, in, in just lightens immediately. And she's always like, kind of like cracking jokes and like kind of helping us laugh at ourselves, not in a mean way, but more in a like, you know, this is ridiculous and it's okay. Uh, and I think that helps a lot. I've just, it's just been so interesting to, to be a, a part of that. And just, cause she always ends the, the class is kind of talking about how like the biggest step was having the courage to even uh, be there. And I think it, even though the dances can be hard and you end up like sweating or like out of breath or whatever, like it's, that doesn't match the like scariness of actually doing it in the first place. So that's, that's been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, it's like definitely one of the most vulnerable things. You're like, just like, putting yourself out there in a way of like like that and singing too but arguably it's even more vulnerable than singing like 
karaoke is a thing, right? But just like standing mm-hmm. up on stage in public dancing isn't really a thing aside from like really special spaces or like mm-hmm. stripping. And like that to me is just like, oh my God, I don't know how people do it. Like, it's just so, I can't imagine. Well, I think part of the reason is because, you know, when you're singing, you're probably singing to like a group of people, right? Like karaoke is tends to be to a group of people. Whereas if you're dancing, yeah, you might be in a dance floor with a ton of other people, but usually you're dancing one-on-one with someone else, right? And like Mm -hmm. that in and of itself that you like, I've noticed this, uh, so I've been going out dancing more in it. The one of the things that I fucking hate, but that I can't, I, like, I'm trying to get over is that I have such a hard time looking at the person that I'm dancing with, like in the eyes, yeah. is so hard, and I can't really. I, I feel like I end up like looking around the other person, <laughs> and then, like, if I, like, I, uh, like if I look at them, I, I feel like I, uh, I panic. It's just this weird, this, I, this one time I was at this gay bar and, uh, th- this one random girl who was very beautiful, like asked me to dance. And I was like, so psyched. I was like, shit, this is exactly what I want to happen. This is why I came here. And it almost never happens. But you know, that when then we started dancing and then I like just panicked and I like kept trying oh. to have a conversation with her in the <laughs> middle of dancing. And I was just oh. like. <laughs> and I think eventually she was just like, "No, I didn't come here to, t- to talk." <laughs> I wanted to. Oh. Well, she didn't say this, but I think that was kind of her attitude. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't blame you, but it's you know, it's stuff like that. I think. Uh, uh, I'm sorry if I'm gonna mispronounce his name, but uh, Kieran Gillen, I think, once said something to the effect of dancing with people is kind of like having sex with them, and like. He, I I think it was him that said that he doesn't just dance with like anyone because it's such like an like an intimate thing and uh I don't know that I would go that far but I can definitely see why someone uh would say that. Yeah. Yeah. God, I I think I feel the same way or maybe like to a slightly lesser degree. But, um uh yeah, it's like it's tough to just sort of like cuz it's like abandoning yourself to this this kind of movement that is i think really difficult for a lot of people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it's sort of losing control of yourself almost mm -hmm. just kind of like going with the flow yeah yeah but you know i've been trying it anyway just because uh one of my goals for this year not dance well yes i want to learn how to (laughs) dance but uh one of my goals for this year is also just to be more involved with like i don't know the queer community, whatever, whatever that means. I know it's probably more fragmented than for me to be able to say that, but you know, a lot of events end up happening like at a bar or something, or Mm -hmm. like there's dancing. Uh, I, you know, I want to be able to do that or, or other stuff. I know there's other, other stuff, but yeah, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that. I've been thinking a lot about like, I don't know, community organizing and like what Mm. that takes. So like wanting to make, spaces for like i don't know queer people of color like maybe finding them because i'm sure they exist but like not always uh near me uh so like the soccer group that i do is actually like a a queer soccer group and it's so i love it so much it's just everyone's so nice to one another and i've never Uh experienced like we're all we're always like constantly like 
like complimenting each other for like every like little thing that we do. Oh. Although more more hilariously, we're always constantly apologizing to each other. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a group of women playing sports just constantly being like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Even when it's not like, you know, something that warrants saying sorry, it's more like, oh, I bumped into you. But this is a con like it is a contact sport. So, not you know, I can't yeah. punch someone in the face, but like I'll, I'll like kind of like because I play defense a lot. So I end up like literally just like crashing into people a whole lot. And so like even if the ball goes to me, I'll stop and be like, hey, are you OK or whatever? So. Uh-huh. That's that's funny. Uh, but yeah, something that I didn't really experience growing up, like playing in soccer teams. Uh, so I just think it's a different experience to play with the uh, with queer women. And I've, I'm more like keen on trying to like rediscover some of like my heritage, I guess, because it's I, I feel like it's something about being in, in tech is inherently so white and I think being successful in this space puts me closer uh, to that than it does uh, my own culture. And I don't like the idea that a lot of knowledge could just be lost with me because I never thought to like dig into it. Like uh, as a big example, you know, Spanish is my first language, but, but I don't really speak it that much mm-hmm. uh, anymore. And so to the degree that uh, I've just started to forget snippets of it, I don't think in Spanish. I think in English, which is also like a, I, I'm sure that linguists probably have some, like some interesting stuff to say about this. But it's really weird to me to think that like your native language is not what you speak or yeah. dream it. Um, but yeah, it's just and then when I do use it, I have to like like I understand anything that anyone says to me. And I can definitely hold a conversation just fine, but there are a lot of moments when I have to like stop and think about what a like very basic uh, word is just, and that's kind of jarring to me. Like, you know, I have to go back and visit family and then all of a sudden I can't talk to them even though they taught me this language. So there's, there's just a lot of stuff like that. And also just in terms of kind of, uh, not feeling alone in like all this very specific problems that you might encounter as like someone who like is in tech or is like, you know, not because I, you know, my family used to be poor and I'm not poor uh, anymore. And so like the problems that come with that, I just, I just want to feel like I'm not contextless. And I feel like it's very easy to, fall into that the more successful you are in in this space if you don't look out for more uh people like you so i'm i'm trying to find more ways of uh of doing that that sounds great that's yeah that's super real too and we're recording this in pride month um in june and i think it will be coming out in pride month too so it won't be like quite done yet so do you have any big Mm -hmm. plans yeah, so I went to uh, Brooklyn Pride last week, uh, and that was fun. I feel I I missed uh, like the the march beforehand. Uh, I can't remember. I might have been like, oh wait, I was I was working uh, because that's when E three kind of started. So that's why <laughs> I missed it. Yeah, um, but then I went to a bar later, and it was like 
packed, packed, packed with like all these like queer women. And I thought just being there was so I like, I don't know. Mm. I had fun. You know, we danced. Everyone was uh was in a good spirit. And I think I'm probably going to end up doing the the big uh pride march thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm just I, I, I think it's less that I'm excited for these specific events and it is like trying to be a part of that community in general like one of my things for this year is that i want to learn how to play pool because i want to be one of those girls (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i could totally see you being oh my god yes (laughs) uh and i was like i'm kind of debating there's this like rugby team that i kind of want to join but it's so far away from me but if i can't do that i'm probably gonna do like football I don't know. I guess I'm just turning into like a sports lesbian. <laughs> I don't know. Um, just it's just it's so weird to me. Just uh, t- like trying to like. Because I feel like. Uh, uh, how do I explain this? Being queer often. What I've noticed is that a lot of people take labels extremely serious. Like I'm a chapstick lesbian. I'm a whatever. Blah, 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 blah. And it's so weird to like have to be like more uh, to even think about like, where do I fall within that spectrum? Do I want to consider myself within that spectrum or just even just being more like conscientious about uh, appearance in general? Uh, Like I just started kind of like dabbling with uh, makeup, for example, and like I feel like that has a very specific uh, connotation as to like how you present within uh, the community and how people think of you. Um, where was I going with this? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I've just been, I feel like I've, I've been spending a lot of time just thinking about appearance in general, because as a part of uh, my trying to get healthier, I've ended up doing a shit ton of more sports. And then through that, I've ended up losing a lot of weight. And I feel like it's, it's just been a lot of like my having to think about like what what did it mean to be like because I feel like there's so much baggage that comes with being fat right like mm-hmm. how much space you take up how people think of you whether or not people think uh you're healthy and like all this other stuff uh and then what it means to like not be fat and like how people treat you differently and especially in in queer spaces I think uh there are more limited roles that you can uh, take up depending on your body shape. And I think Mm -hmm. especially in New York uh, more so than uh, the West coast, I feel like the body types here that are desired are very like specific. Mm. Whereas I feel like at least in my experience back in San Francisco, like there was a wider diversity of like people who were widely considered to be uh, desirable. And I've noticed this because like, you know, I used to go out to bars and stuff and like I would see how people treated me and whether or not it seemed like they were into me. And like now it feels like night and day, like people will actually uh, talk to me. People will actually I'm sorry, I feel like this is such a strange conversation. but <laughs> No, no, this is great. I love it. But um, and that's been like weird to grapple with. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I just feel like uh, for me, it's I'm not even considering this Pride Month. I'm considering it for me like the entire like gay year more trying to be like, involved <laughs> and like I'm trying to find uh, 
find myself within within that community and also just kind of like making sense of like where where, where I want to fit in there uh, and what it even means to be like because I feel like there are so many like signifiers of like <clears throat> uh, I was talking with a friend about like how because we went to this this party for this uh, kind of like do you follow the Instagram account personals? Um, I don't. Do you know an, what it is? I don't have an Instagram. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, it's basically, they post like personal ads basically. Um, so it'll be like, uh, mermaid looking for love. And then it'll be like me, blah, 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 description. And then in search of, and then blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, they're meant to be short, right? Like, even though we technically have so much space on the internet, it's like meant to be like, if it were appeared on a newspaper. So we went to this. Yeah, yeah. So we went to this party that was like trying to raise money for an app version of this. And fuck, where, where was I going with this? What, what started this conversation? There was a point that I was trying to make, but I got lost in like trying to <laughs> describe it. Um, fuck, I can't remember where I was going with this. Well, anyway. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so I, I remember now. Um, one of the things in there that one of the friend that I took there was like, you know, I feel like I can, cause they printed out a bunch of the personals and almost all of them had something about, uh, astrology. And then <laughs> it was just like, you know, I feel like this helps me narrow down who I should talk to because I'm not super into astrology, but I feel like that's like such a big, like, oh you're gay like what's your sign you know like and it this is just a bunch of little stuff like that that it's like if you do this then it's more likely that you're queer or, or more likely that you'll be considered like legible within uh the queer community like tarot cards i don't know a lot of like woo woo stuff that crystals, i'm like i'm like yeah. yeah crystals yeah yeah uh that i've kind of been dabbling with but like it just feels so like i can't tell to what degree it's just that people genuinely like this stuff or they feel that they have to do it because they're in this community. I don't know. It's just been a lot of like me just feel like feeling like I'm uh, watching a or like no, filming a like documentary where I'm like watching some creature that I don't understand but, uh, but except except i am also apparently the creature and like trying to like take notes of like what is like what is it am i that like should i do that like what does it mean to be a person i don't know you're I doing guess like an ethnography <laughs> yeah so that's and that's been very uh surreal i guess <laughs> yeah yeah that's like a lot that's a lot to think about yeah, and I and I wrote a personal for myself, and that was really interesting. Just like, well, how would I how would yeah. I describe myself? I feel like it takes such clarity not just to like describe yourself, but also describe exactly what it is that you want. Uh, yeah. Some people are, like hyper hyper specific. Like it'll be like searching for a future co parenting partner or like uh, people to go to uh, hikes on. Blah blah blah. And I felt like I, I was just kind of thinking like, well, I don't even know that I like, I feel like a lot of the times when I end up being into someone, it's like, 
it's never what I expect. They never fall into like a neat box of like, yeah, I'm into mask people or like I'm into like femme presenting people. It'll be more like general like attitude stuff. So like I feel like a lot of the things I ended up writing down was like looking for like this isn't the exact wording, but it was basically like for people who are curious and less like you need to do this and you need to like present like this. Like it was yeah. very like. Yeah. <laughs> So that that was and I, and I talked to a lot of people there. They were like, yeah, it was it was hard to kind of come up with what I what I want, because, uh, you know, a lot of apps like Tinder or whatever don't ask you to do that. And if anything, like it's almost I, or at least I've noticed this when I'm on Tinder, I feel like uh, it's weird if you have like a long description and a lot of people yeah. just don't even write anything down. Uh which I like, I don't know if it's just that I'm like such a child of like internet forums and I'm just like, why, why won't you tell me about <laughs> yourself? They're like, oh, I, I wrote this entire paragraph. So, you know, that if you, if you can know that you're into me and then yours just says, uh, I don't know, just has like a smiley emoji on it. And I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. Like, or sometimes the emojis will be slightly more helpful. It'll be like, I don't know, someone's obviously 420, uh, <laughs> whatever, like open to, uh, open to weed or whatever. But yeah, a lot, Tinder, Tinder's fucking weird, man. Um, are you on it? No, God, no. I, I've been on and off it for years. I haven't mm-hmm. been on it in like probably at least six months at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like, yeah. da- I don't like dating apps or websites. <laughs> you know, I used to use them all the time. And uh, basically what I've realized and not to like to my own horn here, but like, I'm very good at it. Like I'm very mm-hmm. good at them. Um, but I find them really boring. <laughs> I don't like mm-hmm. to like go out with someone. I don't like to be like, Oh, we just met online. And we are going to have our first interaction in person uh, as like a date. Yeah, I mean, there's something that feels so okay. So I feel like we we live in an age in which like all all these like uh, concepts of like how relationships work almost don't uh, they don't apply anymore. At least I feel like people are so averse to labels or like, or stuff like that. Like if there's always this question of like, well, I don't even know if we're like going out, we keep hanging out, but like, like what was the first date? Was that just chilling? Or was that like, were we like on a date or whatever? So like when you're on an app, uh, I feel like it formalizes a lot of that stuff in a way that doesn't feel natural. Cause like Mm -hmm. a lot, like, you know, I'll go on dates, but like, we don't, I don't necessarily go, Hey, do you want to go on a date? You know, like we don't necessarily, call it that so it's a lot or like and then when you do go on a date like usually you already kind of know the person versus like on an app you know you might be like forced to ask the very basic questions of like what do you do where do you live and like stuff like that that's just not the way that you a actual non-app date would work and in fact a lot of that stuff might not even be covered in a date you might like just happen to meet someone in a, like a more casual setting and like just happen to learn a lot of this stuff before you decide like, Hey, let's hang out one-on-one. So yeah, I see what you're saying about a lot of the like weird artificiality of it, I guess. Yeah. And like, I don't think it's exclusively tied to apps either. Like I think if I were set up like on a blind date, even like, you know, pre app, I would find it mm. the same way. I would just be like, 
this doesn't feel like, I don't know, like, and no shade on anyone for whom that works. And also I'm not talking about like casual sex or anything. Cause that's a whole different story, but like meeting someone for the first time and being like, we're going, we're on a date and maybe we will go on another date. It just feels like inorganic to me. Like I'd rather mm-hmm. like n- get to know someone and then sort of be like, I don't know. I feel like if you're emotionally mature enough to be able to like accept rejection from someone you already know, if, if they're not interested in like romantic or sexual stuff, then Mm -hmm. I feel like that works really well because you sort of get to know someone beforehand and like, um, then you can sort of be like, Oh, are you interested in like this other kind of relationship? And if not, like, well, that's okay. And we're adults and we can, you know, deal with our feelings. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting that you, that you, uh, mentioned that because I guess it does uh, like to a, bigger degree apps do take rejection out of the equation a little bit more because like if you're if you're talking to someone or if you agree to go on a date with them then it's kind of a given that you're probably into them on some level and obviously like it might not work out but like there's not that like big of like will will you go out with me and then they can say no because like well then why did they why did they swipe on you like what you know um but yeah that's that's interesting and i think something that i'm uh trying to work up to because it's uh like you said it takes you said it takes maturity for me i think it takes more <laughs> like bravery uh <laughs> uh so yeah trying trying to work up to that do you um so going going back to your question though do you have any uh exciting pride plans um you know i don't right now maybe between now and the time this goes up i will have done something I, my big thing is that I'm, um, I don't like parades, um, (laughs) or like outdoor gatherings. I like going to the park and like, Uh if I can sit in the shade, I am so happy, but like, it's not even the crowds. Like it used to be the crowds and I would get anxious, but now what it is, is just like, I don't like being hot and I don't like standing in the sun. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of that. That's basically the pride parade experience. And like, Mm -hmm. I got that like 10 years ago, a bunch of times. And I was like, it's like fireworks where I feel like, you know, when you're a kid, it's like really exciting. And then it's like, yeah, okay. And like, a lot of people still like that. And that's fine. It's just not for me. Um, I'll probably try and go to a few parties. Like I didn't really do much last year. Um, this year, um, yeah, I'm just going to try and stay out of trouble um, <laughs> and, uh, and not po- yeah. not post um, and go outside. And that's what I recommend for people, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my pri- whatever my pride plans end up being, I'm probably not going to do the parade part of it. Uh, but I probably will go to a bar or whatever. Although even that can like right now in this, I'm I'm just not a summer person like at <laughs> yeah, all i am like all of my nice clothes are for winter and i've like i've decided to change that this year i've been going shopping for clothes a whole lot more like uh i just wore a tank top for the first time in like i don't know like a decade wow. and i'm about to get some more uh tank tops but yeah i just uh, it's and especially during pride you know the bars get like so crowded mm, that it's like hard yeah walk and just saw that heat but yeah on on the other hand i want to feel like i'm i'm having I, like i don't know that i'm a part of something so I'll, I'll go and then have more fun when it kind of starts to thin out and uh people start going <laughs> start going yeah home, I guess. <laughs> yeah for sure 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, do you want to move on to the segment that we do on the show? Sure. Cool. Well, do you that, go first or do I? Do well, I? Well, <laughs> the first thing that we do for this segment is I say the name of the segment, and the name of the segment is Get Wrapped. Get Wrapped. <laughs> And that's the name of the segment. And now we're in it. We're in the segment now. Oh, shit. And um, I, you know, sometimes I'll go first and um, sometimes I won't go first. Uh, <laughs> so it's really fluid. It's really flexible. It's really yeah. like we don't like to put labels on it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I go first. You want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm watching this show. I think it's on Stars. It's called Vita, and it's about this uh, two sisters who go back home after their mom, whose name is Vita, dies, and they kind of have to pick up the pieces. And the thing that makes this interesting, at least to me, is that uh, it's an, as far as I can tell, like an all Latino cast. Mm. Uh, and it's also extremely uh, queer. Like it's it's basically about what it's like being queer when you're Latino and just like how difficult that is and like how regressive it is, uh, how there's like not really spaces for it. Cause like, you know, there's a, there's a, that whole culture of like machismo and like, uh, and like, so, and the places where that, the things that you can be as a woman are so small like it's you know we have this whole idea uh as americans that like oh the woman in the kitchen is like regressive or what like or whatever like a more of a, like 1950s idea of like what it means to be like a mom or like a a woman in a relationship whereas i feel like in a lot of latino communities that's still definitely a thing still definitely an expectation like you live with your parents until you get married and then you live in your husband's home, like cooking for him. And you kind of like are a stay home mom. Like that's definitely expected. And if anything, my mom still calls me like once every two months, just being like, when are you going to move back? Like, when are you going to move back? And I'm just like, what the, like, I'm about to be like 29 and I'm not going to move back to my house. <laughs> like, like a lot of white people want their kids to leave the house. Whereas like, I feel like a lot of Latino parents would like gladly keep their ki- their kids in their basement for as long as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's actually expected if you're not just if you're a woman, but if you're like the youngest kid, you're expected to like uh, take care of right. uh, of your yeah. mom or whatever. Um but yeah, it's it's basically about what it's like uh, not uh, what it's like being queer within that uh framework and also what it's like to have some upward mobility go out and like have success and then come back to kind of like mm. a neighborhood that's like kind of like da- uh, downtrodden and like uh there's that whole like class element like uh i one of the main characters talks about how like uh it's so weird to uh go back and see how people talk like the slang that is used and like how like improper it is like based on like what actual spanish is supposed to be like uh, and I think about like when I was growing up, how like embarrassed I was that uh that my p- parents spoke in a very like specific, like very uh way that all these words that like aren't real. I guess the the closest parallel that I can think of is like uh some southern slang mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, and it's so like hyper specific too because uh 
you can speak Spanish, but depending on like what dialect or like what slang you're using, like I won't understand anything of what you're saying. And it's usually like uh, all these like very like messy, like more informal ways of, of speaking it. But anyway, yeah, it's a show about all that. And it's just like one of the most real shows that I've watched in a long time. And it's so, so fucking good. And not just because it's gay, but all that certainly helps because I, I guess I see myself a little bit in it, but just uh, in terms of like who, who is in it, what kinds of things it shows, like uh, uh, there's a scene in there where uh, kind of like a more masculine presenting uh, queer lady who is like bigger is like shown naked and it's like wow i've like almost never because like you know it's so easy now to like even video games are showing like two attractive uh you know thin ladies kissing now but Mm -hmm. you won't necessarily see like more masculine presenting like bigger bigger bodies in like a sexual way or like a vulnerable way um it's a lot of a lot of small things like that or even just stuff that is extremely common if you're a latino but like almost no one ever talks about like there's a lot of like uh specific brujeria stuff like there there's this scene where this uh girl is undergoing like a what they call olympia which i guess is the closest parallel is like english word is like cleanse and so Uh in addition to like getting like whacked by these like herbs and stuff and like the lady like spits rum in her face and like uh throws water on her and also like runs this egg throughout her body and Mm -hmm. then like cracks the egg open and like looks at it and like stuff like that you know i used to do that like once a year when i was uh, a kid and i thought it was i thought it was bullshit at the time i would think about it differently now but i've just i've never seen anyone talk about that or like what that means or like why someone would do that and just even seeing that reflected at all was like really cool and weird and just i don't know it's just it's a good ass show uh people should watch it if if they if they can it's very well written it's very uh heartfelt and a lot of cool people are are behind it but i can't name them off the top of my head because i'm awful and i don't have a good memory (laughs) it sounds great yeah okay well here's my thing um unfortunately this is not going to be something that's as accessible as as that um it's a store um it's a store called twisted lily and i feel like maybe it's come up on the show before but Mm -hmm. it's in brooklyn um and it's a perfume store Mm -hmm. and um i had been meaning to go for like months and months um and i kept forgetting or i kept deciding to go and then realizing it was a monday and they're closed and i finally went yesterday and it is so nice they stock basically all of these like niche perfumes and you can go and like they'll just like like i basically asked like i was just like so basically, like, I wear a lot of, like, heavier scents. Like, I wear a lot of ouds. I wear a lot of, like, heavier leathers. So, like, what is something that I can wear in the summer that's, like, less, you know, I don't want to, like, get on the train and be, like, smelling of, like, really intense oud. I feel mm-hmm. bad for the people around me. Um, <laughs> and they were like, yeah, well, let's go through some things. And they, like, showed me all kinds. And then you can get samples. Um, mm-hmm, and it's, mm-hmm. like, the first three samples are free. And then... Mm-hmm. um after that they're only like four dollars 
So I got like 12 samples nice. and I'm just like going through all of them now. And like, you know, Lucky Scent is great. Like that's the site I usually order samples from. But like going to an actual place where like they will like, you know, recommend things. And like one thing that we didn't do because they didn't have time, but they said we could do next time I was there is like start a, a profile on me where like they oh, can shit. like see the samples you've like already gotten and then like mm-hmm. look for like patterns and things and like help you pick things you like more Mm -hmm. and like the owner um was there and he is like so kind and funny and sweet and helpful um and it was like a really great experience it made my whole day um and yeah i would really if you're in the new york area and you're at all into fragrance or you're looking to get into it i would really recommend going so I was actually there for the first time like a month ago Mm. this is one of my many uh i feel like i have a, a large list of things that I've always kind of wondered about like makeup, but didn't ever do. And so like the entire process of like thinking, what, what do I want to smell like was so like weird and surreal. But then I went in there and so like, I, I gave him some prompts and I feel like that's such an interesting job too. Cause like you can say like, I want to smell, uh, I don't know, pick a fucking adjective or like a, a concept or something. And then he has to interpret what that means that's <laughs> yeah. such a, like a weird and specific job uh and he gave me some but i think what ended up happening for me was just like i was so fussy that i i feel like i basically ended up sniffing almost every perfume in the store <laughs> trying to find something i swear to god i spent like an hour and a half just like going through like like each and every one and, and then eventually i was just like do you have something that's like kind of like vanilla-y, like kind of like not too sweet or whatever? And then he found some stuff for me and I and I and I got the stuff and like now I'm actually using it. And it's so nice to just be like, this is this is what I want to smell like. This is my this is how I want people uh to remember me. Yeah. Did you meet was the was there a dog? The dog there? wasn't there, but yet. I did see pictures. Oh. <laughs> He's so cute. I love so that dog. So cute, yeah. <laughs> God. yeah love that store would go back eventually when i'm done with these because i bought two uh perfumes but you know uh, those are the the summer scents maybe i'll go yeah. back for some uh winter scents yeah cool well that about brings us to the end of the show um thank you so much for coming on it was great to yeah. it's been like a minute um since we've spoken do you mm-hmm. want to tell people where they can find you online especially now that you have this new job Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm on Twitter as uh, at XPatriciaH. And I also write for TheVerge.com. Uh, I guess just look up my name in The Verge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's where you Oh, I guess. Um, what am I on Instagram? PatriciaXH1. I think I'm on Instagram. Cool. Great. Well, uh, thank you again, and I will talk to you later. All right. Bye. Woodland Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean, at woodlandsecrets.co slash support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, 
head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>